Welcome to the Granary Church podcast. We're happy you could join us. For more information on the Granary Church, head to granary.org.au or follow our socials at the Granary Church. My name's Josh, and uh, it's a it's a privilege to be able to share with you tonight. You know, it's Easter Sunday. This is like, in terms of Christian faith, this is the most important day in our calendar, really. I mean, there's the birth of Jesus. That's incredibly important. Um, There's Good Friday, also really important. But if Jesus stayed dead, we probably wouldn't be here. And, And this is, in fact, we wouldn't be here. Not probably. We definitely, like, I mean, in terms of a church, churches would not exist. And Christianity is a really funny, um, it's a funny like religion in that sense, in that uh, against every single odd, it has somehow become the, the largest religion in the entire world, more followers than any other. Um, to be a Christian after Jesus died meant almost certain death. And we have this freedom now as followers to be able to sit here and celebrate Jesus, his death and his resurrection and in pretty much complete freedom. You might have someone look down on you in some way for being here. That's, that might be as bad as it gets. And, and it's, it's interesting because it's so casual to us almost that today on the, the day that we're celebrating the greatest event in human history, it can just be like another day. And, and my prayer tonight is that as we just sit and hear from the word, I don't, I don't think I have anything completely profound to share, but I believe that God wants to speak to you and that you would understand his sacrifice and his, what he achieved in a new way. He, he wants to speak to you, and I believe that God is speaking tonight. As you're worshiping, I felt so clearly that there's just such a, a sweet spirit here tonight. That as we come and, and worship, that there's just this, this sweetness, this peace. And to be totally honest, it's really interesting because we've been talking about peace and I've been feeling really anxious, like all day, like super anxious. And to the point where I'm like, this is actually ridiculous. I'm I'm preaching on peace and I'm not feeling it. Have you ever had that moment? Like you tell someone to be peaceful or have you ever had the moment you tell someone to be calm and inside you're just not feeling calm at all, you know, or you're yelling and you tell your kids to not yell and you've been yelling. So... I just want to remind you, in 2 Timothy, it says this, always remember. This is Paul writing to Timothy. He says, always remember. Now, from the start of the Bible, there's this great tradition of remembering. Are you good at remembering things? Who sets reminders on your phone? Who's horrible at remembering things? Does anyone remember people's birthdays really well? Actually, who remembers an old home phone number? Yeah, isn't that weird? How many can you remember? Because we, a few weeks ago, we were talking to some friends, and they just, who'd, who'd never had a home phone number? There's this great tradition of remembering, and it says this, to remember that Jesus Christ, a descendant of King David, rose from the dead. This is the good news. It's two key elements there. Jesus Christ was a descendant of King David, which meant he was the prophesied one. Not just some random Jewish guy. He was someone who for hundreds and thousands of years, people had been prophesying, expecting. And he was that one. And then he came and he died 
and he rose from the dead. And that's the good news. And today we actually celebrate, we celebrate that. And so I just want to remind you that because it is so key that we understand Jesus like suffered unbelievably, but then came back from the dead. And interestingly, if you've ever known anyone who's died, they probably didn't come back from the dead, which makes it an even more incredible event. So I want to read to you from John chapter 20. And uh, we just heard it together, but as is becoming our tradition, would you stand with me while we read, read scripture together? Because it's important. It says here, that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them his wound, the wounds in his hands and his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. You can take a seat. It's interesting, actually. Jesus' resurrected body could walk through walls because he appeared to them in a locked room, but he ate food which I think is just phenomenal in itself. It shows that his resurrected body is not the same as our human bodies. There was something markedly different about him. Jesus then, he appears to them. And if you were in a locked room with anyone and someone appeared to them, you would most likely be terrified. Hence why Jesus' first line is, peace be with you. Or you just, just calm down, be at peace. Because you would have been terrified. They would have thought he was a ghost. Well, regardless of whatever they thought, it would have been an absolutely terrifying moment for them. And so Jesus says peace. He actually says it a couple of times to them. But what, what is peace to you? Like what's a peaceful moment to you? Is it, is it a holiday on the beach where it's all still and nice? Is it, is it know, a sunset or a sunrise or is it a stress-free day? Or if you're a parent, is it like 10 minutes on the toilet on your own? Just like... Because then is that just calm? Is that just when it's calm or you just don't hear things? You know, you lock yourself in another room so you can't hear what's happening on the other side of the house. But this idea of peace, we all have this idea of peace. And, and strangely, in our world, there seems to be an increasing lack of peace. There's this, for the last couple of years, people have talked about this underlying anxiety socially. There's, there's diagnosed anxiety, but there's just this social anxiety that people are just feeling and anxiousness in their spirits. And we have this lack of peace. We have a lack of peace internally. We have a lack of peace between people, people in churches, people in society, people on the roads, wherever you go, there's a lack of peace. Then we have lack of global peace. And we've been praying about the conflict in Ukraine. And, and there's conflicts around the world where there's this lack of peace. Things have broken down to the point where there is no peace and if you want to be a you know, Miss World, you might stand up and you say you want world peace. And we all go, that's ridiculous because there's no such thing. There's just this lack of peace wherever you look. And so peace is something we want, isn't it? As humans, there is this desire for peace. And whether it's you're waiting for the next weekend to go away somewhere, or you're waiting for your next holiday so you can feel that like little bit of peace, or you're desiring internal peace and you're seeking therapy and help on whatever you can do or self-medicating or whatever it is. We're looking for ways to find peace. 
And interestingly, Jesus talked about this 2,000 years ago because his friends also lacked peace. So I'd say it's quite a human thing for us to be people who lack peace. And so peace is, is, is an interesting concept. It, it is something we desire, but I think we sometimes go about it in a few different ways. I want to look at three types of peace that we can, we can look for. The first one I'd, I'd call false peace. And I think about it like, actually, I'm a teacher and I see it often like this. I see students in maybe year 11 and 12 and they have an assignment and maybe six assignments due. Has have any of you ever experienced this? And they go, those assignments are due in five weeks. I won't worry about them. It's false peace. I'm not going to worry about my son. And, and often I ask students, how are you going? How are you handling all your summative tasks? I'm like, totally fine. Got ages. It's just a real free week at the moment. It's good. You know, life is fine. And then you have the same conversation four weeks later and they're absolutely freaking out. Like, oh my goodness, everything's just so full on. And it's, they had this false peace before and really it's future me will worry about that. And then future me does worry about that. You know, you, have you ever hit that point and you just suddenly go, oh, wow, I am now future me. And I'm now stuck in this position where I have to deal with a problem that past me could have done something about, but didn't because I wanted to be at peace. And I experienced that peace for, you know, like a good week or maybe a half a day. We can also find peace through avoidance. We just do other things. Like, have you ever been to a movie and then as soon as you walk out of that movie, it's like the weight of the world just hits you? And you suddenly remember all the things that you should have been doing instead of watching that movie. It's like, oh, oh no. It's like it's just this dread. And so we have this false peace, which is really just avoidance. It's, it's avoiding, it's, it's relief. It might be escapism. There's a whole story in the Bible about a man named Jonah who essentially tried this. He just tried to avoid God and run the opposite direction. It was just avoidance. I'm just going to pretend that God didn't ask me to do something and run in the total opposite direction. And so it, it creates this false sense of peace because in the end, you know that things are going to collide. It's, it's not going to end well. So that's one way we go about things. Another way is forced peace. We, we force peace. And I always find it funny when you hear of like a peacekeeping force. Have you heard this? Which I, I just find a strange concept. This, how can it be peaceful if you have to keep it? Like the actual definition is uh, the use of military assets to enforce a peace against the will of the parties at conflict. It's a bit like if you're a parent and your two kids are at each other and you force peace and they sit there growling at each other or just like, you know, and it's, it's not peaceful. Mum and dad tried that with us several times as kids and sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. So you can, you can force peace. You can like make your kids get on. You can send in a peacekeeping troop and they will be there with armed guards there to force peace. We will be peaceful. Have you ever had a moment coming to church where everything erupted in the car and everyone's just like, it's all out. And then you walked in the, the doors to church. It's like, hello. Yeah. Bless you, brother. <laughs> Peace be with you and also with you. you know, and it's like you just put on, a, you paint on that, that forced, peaceful face. Or have you ever had a moment like where, you know, you're having an argument with someone and then the phone rings and you do it like, oh, hello? <laughs> really? Yeah? 
real happy like and 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 then you're staring at each other like what are you doing that's so fake what are you you know and it's it's forced peace and it goes against that will and you're like you're not at peace you just you're fake you're a hypocrite it's not it's not real and so it's interesting because if we think about easter and think about what god did through jesus if he forced peace upon us if he said, I'm going to force it, I'm going to, I'm going to restore myself to you, I'm going to force it on you, there would be no concept, no possibility of us ever having relationship with him. There would be no acceptance on our behalf. There would be no thankfulness or gratitude. It would be us against our own will going, all right, God, well, I guess we've got to be friends now. And so, so forced peace, forced peace doesn't work. There's, there's the last one. And it's fixed peace, steady peace. And another word that Thea talked about is shalom. I like to think of it as everything in its right place. Everything in its right place. It's fixed. It's, it's right. It's the way things should be. In John 14, 27, it says this, Peace I leave with you. This is what Jesus said. Peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Interestingly, Jesus said this a while before he was crucified, but he was preempting what was happening. I'm giving you peace. And then he also said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In me, in this world you'll have trouble. It's a promise. But take heart, I have overcome the world. In this world, in this system of government, in this world that we're living in, you are going to have trouble. But the way Jesus runs things is different. There's this fixed peace. Things are in their right place. Now, this word shalom is, is an interesting one. And in, in Jewish tradition, it's the idea that, that peace was actually more valued than truth. And rabbis would actually say that if peace and truth were in conflict, then peace would take precedence. Peace would actually take precedence over truth. That being unified with God and others is actually more important than being right. Peace is fixed. Our opinion actually isn't as important as we think it is. It's interesting because our world right now, opinion sort of seems to have this really high value. And everyone has an opinion on something. And we like to share our opinion. We don't like it when someone disagrees with our opinion. We put our opinion online and are really surprised when people have a different view to us. I always find amazing. It's like, yeah, of course people are going to have a different view to you. But people get so, so worked up that someone would have a different view to me and fire back. But in the system, the kingdom of God, shalom is that we are peaceful before we're right. That being right actually matters less than being at peace. And Jesus' system is that we actually are right with each other, whether I'm right or not. That I'm right with you. Whether you're right or whether I'm right, it doesn't really matter. That together we're at peace. That's actually the, the church that Jesus is creating. It's actually the thing that sets us as followers of Jesus uh, up as different than the rest of the world. Because we can, we can coexist with nuance and with difference, even though we may have some different ideas, because our primary aim is peace. That's our primary aim. It's peace. It's peace with each other, whether I'm right or not. Oh, I like to be right. Do you like to be right? 
Do you ever have those internal moments that you like, I told you, like, you know, I told you so moments? Or do you just say them out loud? You're one of those people. Okay. <laughs> you know, sometimes you're like, yeah, do you ever have those moments where you know what's going to happen? You're like, I, I will not say I told you so, but inside you're like, I told you so. Yeah, I told you. It's, it's terrible. We, we lo- There's something about us. We love to be right. We love to be proved right. And Jesus' system is, who cares if you're right if you're not at peace with other people? Who cares? Which is fascinating. And that's actually one of the reasons Jesus came. He came, there's, there's three key reasons. He came that we'd be at peace with God, whether we're right or not, that we would be at peace with God. He came that we would have peace with ourselves, like internal peace. And he came that we'd have peace with each other. And so when we see Jesus dying on the cross and resurrecting, he defeated death, which through him, we are able to be reconciled with God, whether we think we're right or not. And we have all different ideas about what God should or should not do. But through Jesus, we can be reconciled. It means we can, we can, be, we can be friends with him again. Because what we did, our stubbornness and our, our, our sin and our selfishness, tore us apart from him. And so, Jesus came to bring peace. He said, my peace I bring, my peace I leave. And so this peace through God and man is not God murdering his son, but God in Jesus giving himself for us. Often it's an interesting idea. We look at God, did God murder Jesus? That seems horrific. No, it's Jesus is God. God in Jesus, he gave himself He gave himself for us. It's this ultimate sacrificial act of love saying, I love you so much. Even though you think you're right, I love you so much. I'm giving myself to you. Then he established this kingdom of peace here. A kingdom of peace between people here on earth. Unity over uniformity. Okay, And this personal peace, the idea of peace in storms, not just calm. Because this idea of shalom, this peace, this internal peace is something that you can have even if everything around you is raging, even in the biggest storm. When everything around you just seems overwhelming, you can have this peace through Jesus that steadies you, that keeps everything internally in its right place so you're not shaken. In Numbers 26, my dad prayed this whole lives growing up. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. It's a beautiful prayer. God has been directing his peace towards us from the very start. And Jesus is the one who comes and fulfills that. He accomplishes that. He is the one who brings peace, who brings everything together. The Lord give you peace through Jesus. In Isaiah 9, it talks about Jesus as the Prince of Peace. Now, I told you at the start, in 2 Timothy, it talks about how Jesus was the promised one, the descendant of King David. And when they were, they had all these different prophecies about Jesus. One of them was that when he came, he would be the Prince of Peace. Okay, so he is a ruler of peace, like peace is his rule. It's a, it's a pretty cool title, you know. If you were known like that, the Prince of Peace. There's, you know, there's the artist who was once known as Prince, but he wasn't the Prince of Peace, okay? He's the Prince of some good songs. But if you are the Prince of Peace, everyone goes, who you are, what you do, everything about you, the way you rule and reign brings peace. But I think this is what God wants us to know tonight. You can't have the peace of the Prince without surrendering to his rule. I'll say it again. You can't have the peace of the Prince without 
surrendering to his rule. So often we talk about the Prince of Peace and we want the Prince of Peace to come and do this. and We want him to come and change things, but I don't want to change to allow the Prince of Peace to rule in my heart. I still want to hold on to my anxiety because it gives me a sense of identity. It gives me a sense of control. But if you want the peace of the Prince, who is Jesus, it requires you to surrender every part of you. He wills that you may come and die. It sounds full on, but he says, come and, come and lay down everything. Come, come and lay down your desire to be right. Come and lay down all your great plans. Come and lay down the idea of control you think you have over your life. Come and lay it down and let me in its place give you my peace. He's offering that to you. I actually believe he's offering that to you tonight. And if you've come in tonight and you go, I do not ever feel a sense of peace. I desire peace. I follow Jesus. I read my Bible. Maybe you haven't met Jesus yet. You go, I do not feel that, I, that sense of peace. I know I force peace. I know I, I have false peace, but I don't know that peace of God deep in my heart. A peace with God that goes, I know God loves me and he's for me. A peace in myself that says, I'm actually, I'm at peace with my past. I'm at peace with who I am, my identity. I'm at peace with my future. And a peace with others that says, even though I may be in conflict with people, I have peace with them. I can have peace with them in my heart. One thing that astounds me about Jesus is on the cross, he's being crucified and he pleads to God. He says, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing, essentially. Which I find interesting because they really knew what they were doing. The Romans had been crucifying people for about 300 years by then. Like they were really good at it. They'd perfected the art of crucifixion. They'd perfected the art of how can we find the most painful way to make someone die? And Jesus is there saying, they don't really know what they're like. They know, they know the job they're doing. He had this grace and compassion for them that blows my mind. This ability to say, I will forgive you while you are killing me. That's that's peace, isn't it? That's a, that's a deep peace. And that's not a soft peace. That's a strong peace, which I don't believe God wants to give you a passive peace. I believe he wants to give you a strong peace, a peace that's a strength that people look at and go, you, you have such incredible strength. How is it that you have strength? Last year, um, I got a cast iron pan. Does anyone have a cast iron pan you cook with? If you have one, it's great. It's good to cook with. It's, it's lovely. A skillet, maybe they call them up your yeah, part of the world. There we go. I did see a Twitter thing the other day about a lady who had had a cast iron pan for 20 years. And like, because you build up this like natural non-stick, uh, like, you know, whatever. On a, Her husband put it in the, in the dishwasher and destroyed 20 years. And, and their Twitter feed was unbelievable. Some people going like, so when are you signing divorce papers? And like everything to then some people going, you know, like, here's how you actually fix it. The fascinating thing with this, this non-stick pan is when you first get it, you can't use it properly straight away. In fact, if you use it, you ruin it. And you have to go through this process of seasoning it with oil and fire, essentially. It has to be essentially anointed with oil and put through a blazing hot furnace multiple times. And then it develops this natural non-stick Jesus is a non-anxious presence. Much like my pan has, doesn't have the ability to be sticky, he doesn't have the ability to be anxious. 
he's non-anxious. He's non-anxious and it's been, he was anointed and it was trialed through fire. Jesus is a non-anxious presence. And I believe that through him, he is calling you to be a non-anxious presence. To be someone who wherever you are, whatever circumstance you're in, you go, it's not that I may or may not be anxious. I am, I'm non-anxious. Like anxiety slides off. I couldn't get it to stick if I wanted it to. I believe that's the strength of Jesus. Wherever he went, he was non-anxious. He was peaceful. But it was this strong peace. The principle piece in Hebrew is Shah Shalom, which means the one who removes all peace-disturbing factors and secures the peace. He secures the peace. And he asks us to trust him. The, um, the Jews of his time didn't trust him because they wanted a ruler who would come and destroy Rome. They thought that he was coming to bring like military peace. So a lot of them were disappointed. They didn't recognize him. Like, you're not who we thought you'd be. You're a bit of a letdown. Honestly, like that was the feeling for a lot of Jews in that time. You're, you're a bit of a letdown. They missed him. When he was resurrected, he walked along with a few people and they also didn't recognize him. It's like they missed him. They couldn't quite see him. My hope today is that we don't miss him, that we actually recognize him for who he fully is, that you see that he is, he is God in human flesh, fully human, fully God, who died and came back to life for each one of us. In Zechariah chapter 8, it says this. It says, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. All this may seem impossible to you now, a small remnant of God's people. But is it impossible for me, says the Lord of heaven's armies? Is anything impossible for me? Well, I think when we look at Jesus, if he's one who can defeat death, can he be trusted with any other trouble you have in life? If he is that powerful, if he is powerful enough to defeat death, the one thing that none of us can defeat, and try as we may, you can be as fit as you like, you can eat the healthiest diet, you can do whatever you like, but it's the one thing none of us can escape. But if he is more powerful than that, and by the way, I don't think, actually, no, he did pay taxes at one point too. So via a coin and a fish's mouth. So he's covered all bases. If he is able to defeat the power of death, what trouble could you ever have that is too great for him? That you could ever say, Jesus, I actually can't bring that to you. Because the thing that I've realized most over my life is at each point I realize there's more things I haven't fully surrendered to him, more things that I've taken control of. And I go, Jesus, I would like you again to take complete rule and reign in my life. I trust that you are the one who defeated death, that you loved me enough to do that. And so again, I resurrender my life to you. I give you every part of it. I give you every single part of it. Because as, a, as, as people, his desire is that we become people surrendered to him so that he can make us strong and powerful in him. People who are strong and non-anxious. People who are at peace with others, who develop good community. Who can live with, around people who have different ideas, but we can live at peace with each other. In Philippians 4, 7, it says, Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And I believe that that is his call for us tonight. And we're going to worship in a second. But to say, Jesus, I desire your peace. I desire today to know you and I surrender my life to you. The one thing he asks from each of us is, is our trust. 
He surrendered his entire life. And then he says, will you give me your trust? Will you trust me with it? I gave you my life. Will you trust me with yours? Because his plans are good. He has good plans for you. He actually wants the best for you. In fact, he has, he has the best plans. And so we're going we're gonna to pray. We're going to worship together. But I, I would pray for you tonight that, that if you're willing, you would say, Jesus, I, I surrender my life to you. I surrender every part of my life to you. I want to be a, a person of peace, at peace with God, at peace internally and at peace with the people around me. I want to know the power of your peace in my life, that your resurrection lives daily in me, that the way I live in response to your resurrection means that people around me experience your peace too. So w- would you stand with me? I'd just love to pray for you and then we can worship. And if, you, if you're willing, put out your hands in front of you and in surrender to, to Jesus. I often find the physical act of actually imagining what I'm holding helpful in surrendering to him and saying, Jesus, this is what I offer you. And, and maybe... Maybe there's something specific already. You go, Jesus, this is, I've been carrying this load that you never asked me to carry. Maybe you're feeling at conflict with God. You've come tonight and you go, I know we're here in church, but I'm not feeling peace with God. I feel like he's angry at me. You can surrender that. So I believe God's saying to you tonight, he absolutely loves you. He knows you better than anyone else knows you. He knows you better than you know yourself. And he loves you. Maybe you're lacking peace internally in yourself. Things you've done, things you've said, the way you see yourself, your identity. God wants to give you peace internally. An internal peace bought by the blood of Jesus. Maybe there's conflict with people around you. Maybe it's been tricky in your home or community or workplace or with people you know, people with different ideas. People getting pretty fierce and pointed about that. And you say, Jesus, I want to be at peace with the people around me. I want to be able to forgive people the way you forgive them. Maybe there's something completely different. So Jesus, we surrender ourselves to you. Come Holy Spirit. We thank you so much that your death and resurrection means we have peace with you, not just for eternity, although that's pretty amazing, We have peace with you now. We experience your kingdom now. So we pray your kingdom will come in each of our lives as we surrender to you. They will have peace with you. They will have peace internally and peace with others. Jesus, we thank you for the work you're doing in us tonight. We thank you for your resurrection that you defeated death. And we praise you for that. We praise you because you are powerful. You are strong and you are trustworthy. And so I pray for every single person here tonight who would surrender their heart again to you. Pray that you'll fill it now with your love, with your peace and your strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our Sunday podcast. If you enjoyed it, either subscribe or follow on the podcast app that you use to keep up to date on when our next Sunday podcast gets released. Have a safe and blessed week.